there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. If you'll be kind enough to indulge me for a moment, I have a very sad tale of woe to relate to you. This morning, in our meeting, as I usually do, I recorded the talk so that we could make a podcast out of it. And when I got it home, I found that the talk was almost completely worthless because the mic connection to the recorder was faulty. And there was some, it was like the Nixon tapes. There was missing, oh, I don't know, 20 minutes in the middle of it. And both ends were marred with spikes that made it almost impossible to make anything out of it at all. So I had to scrap the talk, which means you didn't get to hear it and you won't get to hear it. But I also felt like I couldn't just not put out a podcast this week. So I'm sitting in my meditation room Sunday evening and I'm going to give this talk to you. I've never given a talk just to you. It's always been to the other people in the room and you were the the people looking through the window. But tonight, now, it's just for you. You know, the work makes a point of telling people not to believe. But it also says that those who don't believe are said to be mentally shut. Now, you can't really have your cake and eat it too, so something's got to give here. Everything in the work changes as our level of being changes. We know that. What was true at one point for us, at another point is no longer true. So we're told to believe, but we're told not to believe, or we're told not to believe, and then we're told to believe. The work says that a shut mind lacks magnetic center, that only life influences can be received by that shut mind, because the receiver for higher influences is missing. Well, the receiver for higher influences is obviously the magnetic center. But the thing about magnetic center is that some people don't have it. Now, they're not just lost. The truth is, is that at some point in time, none of us have magnetic center. I don't know when that point is, but magnetic center is something that actually can be developed by hearing influences, B or C influences, that is influences that come from, that have a source outside of life. That those influences can in a sense grow magnetic center in a person who doesn't have it. Of course, magnetic center is just a way of saying someone who is open and receptive, able to receive higher ideas, higher influences in a place that it can make a difference for them, that they can assimilate it, that they can understand it to some degree. People lacking magnetic center, the higher ideas just seem like balderdash and they throw it all away. Now, someone introduced to the work may turn back to the five senses, making life his neutralizing force again. If this is true, then someone who has magnetic center can turn away from the higher influences, and by turning away from the higher influences, cause magnetic center to atrophy or go back to non-existence. Then life becomes a neutralizing force again. For such a person, no reversal can take place in him. He remains what the work calls an unfinished house. An unfinished house essentially is the idea that each one of us are, are a house. And so life builds one story of the house. We acquire one story of this house through life. 
But there's a second education possible for man. And if man can develop using these higher influences, then he can build a second story on the first story. So we actually build on what life builds, but we build something higher, something in a different direction, something better. Well, better if you think it's better. The work says that we must create our own lives. A little observation shows that the mind imprisons itself early in life. When the mind imprisons itself early in life, what that really means is that an imprisoned mind can't really create its own life. The mind easily acquires habits of thought, associations, attitudes, borrowed beliefs, opinions, things like that. Now, such a person can't think for himself and create his own life because life creates his life for him. When we allow life influences to fall on us, what happens is that life creates a life for us. That life is not the higher life that we're looking for. That life is not the life that's built on higher influences, that's built on positive ideas that come from outside of life. If we wish to develop in a way that's greater than life, outside of life, higher than life, then we're going to have to have those ideas from influences that come from outside of life, higher influences. It's pretty easy to look at people in the world and see that life creates their lives. People are run by life. And we can all go to the mall and do a people-watching contest and watch people and talk about people and observe people all day long, and we can get some benefit from that. But you may observe in yourself the continual struggle between more mechanical and more conscious eyes, eyes that wish to grow, eyes that wish to remember, eyes that wish to understand something more than life gives us. And this is much more productive than people watching at the mall. Often the eyes that wish to grow, to remember, to understand, to develop are kept down by dead eyes with old voices enshrouded in our time body. Now our time body is essentially where all of these old associations, beliefs, opinions, attitudes, things of that description are stored, giving way to those borrowed beliefs and opinions, those attitudes, associations, and habits of thought, destroys magnetic center. Every time we give way to those acquired thoughts, influences from life, it erodes magnetic center. It undermines magnetic center. People mistakenly sacrifice psychological thinking by relying on logical, literal thinking. The funny thing is about literal thinking is that people call it practical thinking. They don't see it as impractical at all. They see it logical thinking, literal thinking, as very practical. But the work says that there are four levels of mind. Greater mind, psychological thinking, logical thinking, and alogical thinking. Now, we're all familiar with logical thinking. Logical thinkers want everything in black and white so that the formatory mind can grasp it. Alogical thinking is basically superstition, and we all have some of that as well. Logical thinkers can't leap for the rope overhead, preferring instead to make requirements, to make rules. Sit in this position. Hold your hands like that. Think this thought. Things like that. But no one has ever reached higher levels of being through formatory center. If it were possible to reach higher levels of being through formatory center, everyone would reach higher levels of being, and we'd be surrounded by people who were enlightened and at higher levels of being. And we ourselves would probably be at higher levels of being. But it doesn't work that way. Formatory thinking, on the contrary, pulls down the level of being, taking us back to life creating life for us. And when life creates life for us, life creates a life that serves life's purposes. Life doesn't create a life for us that serves a higher purpose because it doesn't know anything about a higher purpose. We fail to understand that we can fall back. 
people think, oh, well, I found the way, I found the path, now I understand. And they think that after that, it's just a sleigh ride to the top. But it's not like that at all. It's a lot more like pushing a wagon up a hill. You've got to keep pushing. You may be able to stop for a rest, but you still got to keep upward pressure on the wagon or else it's going to roll over you and drag you down the hill. Psychological thinking is thought turned toward higher centers, turned toward greater mind, turned toward positive ideas. We've got to think differently to free ourselves from the laws of this planet. As you know, the work says that on this planet, we're under 48 orders of law. That's the personality. The false personality is under 96 orders of law. The problem for us is that we won't think differently, freeing ourselves from the laws on this planet, unless we believe that greater mind, that higher centers exist. If there is nothing higher, then there's nothing to reach for. There is no rope above us. There is no way that we can evolve on a different line than the line that life has us on. In that case, eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. But as I said, even after we have begun to understand these ideas and apply these ideas, returning to ordinary life thinking from psychological thinking, ordinary logical thinking from psychological thinking, will drag us back down. In other words, there are no guarantees below man number seven, where we crystallize in the truth and we're unable to fall back. Man number six, man number five, he can fall back. Man number four, he can fall back. Man number one, two, and three can't fall back. When you're at the bottom, there's nowhere lower to go. And man number one, two, and three, that's the bottom. A lot of people like to think, oh no, man number three is above man number two, and man number two is above man number one. But it's not that way. One, two, and three are all unbalanced man. They're all stuck. So here we are. We realize that we have to learn how to think differently. We have to learn how to receive influences from someplace higher. And yet, it's difficult to do that because nothing in life really supports that. Nothing in life wants us to do that. Life has its own idea of what we're for. And so, people, in their ordinary way of thinking, turn to mob thinking. Mob thinking will give you the same life as whatever social mob to which you subscribe. Let me put it this way. <laughs> if you're a Democrat you think like a Democrat. If you're a Republican, you think like a Republican. If you're an Independent, you think like an Independent. If you're a Libertarian, you think like a Libertarian. If you're a Catholic, you think like a Catholic, and so on. And so we subscribe to this mob thinking. And some people feel like if they subscribe to a better mob thinking, then they get a better life. The grass is always greener. So we go from subscribing to one mob thinking after another mob thinking in the hopes that we'll improve our condition. But again, that's like moving from man number one to man number two to man number three to man number one to man number three to man number two. And it's not getting beyond that. To think for yourself, to create your own life, is only possible through completely new ideas. Well, completely new ideas don't just grow on trees on our planet. They have to come from somewhere else. They have to come from outside of our system. We'll never find those completely new ideas through mob thinking, through acquired habits of thought, associations, attitudes, borrowed beliefs and opinions. When I was a child, I was a Democrat. I was a Democrat because my parents talked about and voted for Adlai Stevenson, not Dwight D. Eisenhower. It wasn't that Dwight D. Eisenhower was a bad man. It's just that Democrats didn't vote for Republicans and Republicans didn't vote for Democrats. And my parents were Democrats 
for whatever reason, and I had no idea what the reason was because I was a child, but I knew that I was a Democrat. In other words, I had acquired their beliefs. I had acquired their opinions. I had acquired their associations, their attitudes, and their habits of thought. And they were my habits of thought, and they were my associations and attitudes and beliefs and opinions until the time came when I was able to begin to think for myself. And unfortunately, that took a lot of years. It didn't just happen, and it doesn't just happen. A lot of people go to their grave with the same opinions, borrowed beliefs and attitudes and associations and habits of thoughts that they were raised with. They never change them. They never get out of mob thinking. They never break out of it and move on to something else. And another thing, people think that reacting to life is thinking for themselves. But reaction to life thinking is useless. Going against the mob, going against your parents, going against your religion is not thinking in a new way. Resisting someone is not thinking in a new way. It's pendulum thinking. Pendulum thinking can't produce thoughts and ideas in us that can create our lives and lead us to higher states of consciousness. Pendulum thinking is like a pendulum on a clock that ticks between the left side and the right side, the hot, the cold, the black, the white, the yes, the no, the up, the down. And it's not real thinking at all. It's just reactive thinking. If reactive thinking could produce thoughts and ideas in us that could create our lives and lead us to higher states of consciousness, again, as I said before, we would all be at higher states of consciousness creating lives that we really wish to have. But that's not the case. Greater mind, the conscious circle of humanity, the kingdom of heaven, these are all words for the same thing. It's a new idea able to create our life. It's an idea that comes from outside of our world, outside of our system, that is able to infuse us with the force, the energy necessary to create our own life. The idea that man is asleep, hypnotized, unable to do unless he awakens, is a new idea. These ideas don't come from life, that we're not properly conscious, that we're identified, that we're governed by negative emotions. Knowledge like that makes a person with magnetic center begin to think in a new way. If you have magnetic center and you begin to see that you're not properly conscious, that we're identified all the time, that our lives are governed by negative emotions, that kind of knowledge alters our perception alters the way we think of things, alters the way we look at things, alters the way we take in impressions. That kind of thinking leads to a change of mind. It's interesting that in the Bible, the Bible calls this repentance, but the Greek word is metanoia, and what metanoia actually means is change of mind. What the work is saying is that there's a change of mind necessary so that we can begin to think in a new way, and that by thinking in a new way, we can receive ideas coming from a higher level of being. And those ideas coming from a higher level of being can alter us and create in us the new man. The new man meaning something we don't know yet, something that we wish to be, but we don't know exactly what it is or how to get there. Ideas coming from greater mind can't be understood logically. On the logical level, they're split into opposites. They're split into contradictions. Logically, a thing is either right or wrong. Psychologically, a thing can be right or wrong relatively. It's really relative thinking. And relative thinking is the part in relation to the whole. So we begin to see parts and we relate them to the whole and we see how they're connected one to another and we begin to have more understanding of the whole 
through the parts and of the parts because of the whole. To think of yourself from yourself is ordinary. To think of yourself from your borrowed beliefs, opinions, attitudes, associations, habits of thought, that's normal. Anybody can do that in life. Everybody does that ordinarily in life. So there's nothing extraordinary about thinking of yourself from yourself. And there's obviously no possibility of change thinking of yourself from yourself. But to think of yourself from what the work teaches is extraordinary. Because if you can think of yourself from what the work teaches, you have set a higher standard. You have set a standard that comes from somewhere outside of our system, somewhere outside of our opinions, borrowed beliefs, associations, habits of thoughts, and attitude. When that happens, there's a real possibility of change. There's a real possibility of evolution. Okay, well, I guess what I've discovered here is that I'm a lot more long-winded when I'm talking in front of a group than I am when I'm sitting in my meditation room talking to a recorder and imaginary people. Well, I'm not saying you're actually imaginary people, but in one sense, you imagine a lot, so I guess you could be imaginary people. And that's really not the point here. The point is that if you can begin to think of yourself from what the work teaches, you can begin to receive ideas coming from a higher level of being, coming from the kingdom of heaven, coming from the conscious circle of humanity, coming from greater mind. And by so doing, ever so slightly, bit by bit, you begin to alter yourself. You begin to alter the way you think, the kind of thinking that you do. And when that happens, you begin to create your own life. And when you begin to create your own life, you begin to create a life that's based on, that's founded on what the work teaches, that leads to something higher. And the possibility of your evolution, your higher evolution, then becomes more than a possibility. It becomes the reality of your life as you create your life by thinking in a new way, by thinking outside of logical thinking, outside of a-logical thinking, outside of the typical life thinking that we were all born into. And that's our hope. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.